You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey everyone, I'm Amy. (laughs) And I'm Paul. Welcome to The Comics Hall. This week we're covering for you all the new comic book releases from Wednesday, October 21st. Uh, We do have a moderator here in the chat for... uh, to talk with you guys. So you want to say hi? Hi, I'm Jasmine. We are live in Facebook, Periscope, Twitch, Instagram, basically everywhere. Um, And we are so excited that you're watching with us today. So let's get to it. (laughs) All right. Couldn't have said it better myself. So Jasmine will be there if you guys are watching live uh, at 4 p.m. Pacific on all our channels. You can talk to her, ask her questions. She will be able to chat with us and get you the, uh, get those questions to us. And if you are listening to the podcast format, welcome. It is Thursday instead of Wednesday, but you should join <laughs> us for a live show. Uh, we do have a lot of comic book news to get through this week. Some big changes made on Marvel and DC release schedules of varying oh, yes. types. So we're going to dive right in with that. Uh, our first piece of news this week is related to Marvel Unlimited. Marvel's digital subscription service, Marvel Unlimited, has just made a massive change to its release format. Subscribers can now access newly released comics just three months after they go on sale instead of the typical six-month wait that the app previously used. This means instead of being half a year behind, you are only a few months behind. Uh, Marvel New Media VP Jessica Malloy said this will give fans access to more of their favorite comics even sooner as the digital service has garnered tens of millions of uses since the start of this year, uh, probably in no small part based on people being more interested in digital methods of reading their comics. Um, With this new update, fans can already read the Empire event from earlier this summer, as well as the Avengers Age of Konshu event, Venom Beyond, and more. So if you are a subscriber, you can check that out. And if you're not, there is a free seven-day trial and different uh, subscription plans available. But that is is big. No other company right now, I think, offers a subscription service that is only three months behind the shelves. Not not this year. I'm sure that has nothing to do with another comic book company releasing a brand new comic book streaming app in January. <laughs> I'm sure they're unrelated. But speaking um, of DC in speaking, January. Oh, oh, did I say DC? Speaking of DC, uh, as of January 1st, 2021, DC Comics is set to exclusively be distributed through Lunar Distribution. After breaking ties uh, with Dymic, uh, Diamond Comic Distributions earlier this year, uh, currently their books right now are being distributed through Lunar and UCS Comics uh, dist- uh, comic distributors. The latter, uh, UCS, will still be completely viable and they're going to keep their operation, but they're just not going to be distributing DC books anymore. Uh, furthermore, local comic book stores will now have a $500 minimum uh, order a month to be able to order DC comics. So now is a great time, honestly, to set up a pool list if you wanted to really sort of get on the ball with all of the new uh, DC stuff coming up, which I don't want to get ahead of myself. But there's a lot of DC stuff to be excited about uh, in order to help your local comic book shop uh, meet that $500 minimum. Or else they will DC currently... And um, I believe Lunar is going to hold the orders until the $500 minimum a month is met. Yes. So that is that is a very interesting thing. I don't think those types of orders and minimums are usually made transparent to uh, comic book fans outside of the, right. the distribution market. But this is a key point. If you are on the fence and, and you pick up titles from the racks, uh, this is the time to let your store know, like, I'd like to commit to this DC title to help them meet that minimum order. Uh, this right. shouldn't affect most comic book stores, but just in case, always, always set up a poll, let your store right. know 
what you want so they can get it for you. Speaking of comic book sales and hitting minimums or maximums, uh, the North American comic book uh, graphic novel market has been uh, evaluated by the N- NPD group, excuse me, uh, and they they have reported that uh, American gra- North American graphic novel sales are up 42% this quarter, so quarter three of the year. The graphic novel category for their purposes excludes single-issue comics and digital sales, but includes the subcategory of manga and other print volumes. From July to September of this year, about 4 million print graphic novels were sold in the bookstore market compared to April through June's 2.8 million, which is still a huge number. Uh, The the biggest quarter three graphic novel was the mid-grade scholastic graphic novel Dogman, Grime and Punishment by cartoonist Dave Pilkey, (laughs) and it sold nearly 600,000 copies by the end of September. Uh, Great, though. The young adult and mid-grade novel graphic novel market is huge i mean for as many people are out as are out there buying batman and superman and Mm -hmm. the avengers the the young adult and and kids grade graphic novels huge i mean if you don't know who reina telemeyer is at this point like she like just all these people all these cartoonists fabulous so i think i think that's really fun that Dogman, 600,000 copies and that's huge for the north american graphic novel market so that's pretty exciting yeah, that's great. I mean, and honestly, I think we had did a we had covered a story, I mean, earlier this year about comic book sales being being up again in all of 2019. So it's good to see the trend sort of uh, keeping up in 2020 as well. We yes. honestly, as comic book fans and as people who run a comic book show, we'd love to see it. Yes, <laughs> so yes. we really do. Um, so moving right along to our next segment here. It is where me and Amy put our taste to the test and also test our friendship. Uh, it is the panel of the week, where every week in a Let Your Geek Set Show Facebook group, me and Amy throw up a uh, category and we say this is what the theme of the panel of the week is this particular week. And then we throw up two panels and all of you in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group vote. Um, and this was a close one. It ended up being a really close one. So uh, this is... This is one that I chose, and I I don't know what happens, but I I I love um I love Deathstroke. It's absolutely no uh it's no secret. So the ch- panel that I chose was from Deathstroke number nine. This sword is called the God Killer, and this is written by James Bonney and Tony S. Daniel, and the art is also by Tony S. Daniel and a uh, fan and friend of Sideshow uh, Tyler Kirkham, and colors by Sandu Florea. Um, I absolutely love this panel so much. Uh, I really, really was looking for the rest of this, but um, where you can kind of see the sword on on display just by itself. And Amy kind of beat me to it with that uh, with that idea. But you guys will all see in a second. But you see I, Deathstroke here, uh, you know, giving some people like the worst haircut they've ever had with <laughs> the uh, with the God Killer sword there. Just a little off the top means something a little different when you're Deathstroke. Now, I do want to clarify. I think I think we forgot to mention the category this week specifically was characters with swords. Uh, If you didn't, if that wasn't determined. But if you are listening to our podcast format, all of these visual assets will be available on uh, sideshow.com/geek on our blog that does launch the same day as the podcast uh, Mm -hmm. on Thursdays. So you can check that out. Um, Otherwise, if you're not a member of our Let Your Geek Sideshow Facebook group, you should join because that is one of the fastest places to reach us. But that is where we also pull our panel of the week votes and holler at the hall segment responses from. Uh, But we are looking to expand the uh, 
the social platforms on which we offer the votes. But currently, if you want to get in on this action, uh, you're going to want to go to Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group. So without further ado, I want to talk about my panel. Uh, yes. I, I, I know the category was characters with swords, but I really wanted to focus on the sword here. I picked... Uh, all Black the Necro Sword from Thor God of Thunder number two, being wielded by Gore, the God Butcher, but we don't really see him in this panel. Um, beautiful artwork by uh, Asad Ribic with colors by Ives Forcina. And this is a technically a three-punch panel. It is it is a series of movements as the Necro Sword, which fans who are following either the Thor or Venom runs may know is actually technically a symbiote now. Um, mm-hmm. It I don't know if that was the intention when it debuted, but it is a symbiote sword. Uh, the first of the symbiotes pulled from the void by Null himself. Uh, but we see it here, and that is the sword that Gore the God Butcher uh, is summoning around his wrist. And so we see it taking shape. And it's just, it's beautiful, it's elegant. And then the the very cool coloring, uh, literally the, the purple and blue color palette, uh, really just makes this a cold, cold moment, uh, which is quickly followed by gore stabbing thor so it's 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 beautiful and sinister all at once so you guys did vote and you did decide between deathstroke and uh gore the god butcher and which sword came out on top can we get a drum roll please drum roll thank you everyone in gotham behind me you guys and- voted and gore the god butcher and all black the necro sword won so thank yes. you guys so much for choosing that uh that now puts paul and i back at a tie we've each won four of these panel showdowns so yes. join us next week uh for the spectacular show where somebody's feelings will be uh, absolutely destroyed and i'm sure terrified uh <laughs> when we when we get that panel vote up but you guys I- can check that out next week I loved your panel. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, damn, <laughs> I knew it. I was like, I thought I had it in the bag. I was like, uh, of course, Amy. I, I knew it was coming from from somewhere in, in the Thor lore. <laughs> <laughs> there, and there are a lot of swords in the Thor yes, lore. I mean, if we talk hammers, if I lose a hammer panel competition, that'll be a whole other story. But moving on, we do have some excellent books to cover for the yes, weekly we haul. The Weekly Hall is where we review for you uh, the newest releases of the week. And Paul, would you like to explain to them how we do that? Yes. And a lot of you who are out there listening, you are familiar now with our patented, uh, we will sue you if you use it, AIM system, uh, which is an acronym. The A stands for accessibility. How easy is it to pick up this book and read it? And also how easy is the book to find? We've also got the I, which is interest. Uh, Who would like this book? Why would you personally like this book? And maybe also we'll throw in every once in a while, what is the interest of the comic book community in this book? And lastly is M, the monetary value, uh, the monetary investment, I'm sorry. How much does it cost uh, versus you know what, what you're getting versus how much you're paying? So this is our aim system. We really don't like to uh, rate books uh, specifically because a two out of 10 for us is different than a two out of 10 for you. So this is sort of a way to say, this is the book as we're presenting it. And we really think you should read it for these reasons. All right. So I'll get us started here. I'll All kick right, us off see. with, I think, uh, am I first, Amy? Is that in the script? Am yes. I the first person? Okay, yes, I'm sorry. Did I, did I just jump in? No, on I, so sorry. No, I, <laughs> I just really want to talk away. about Batman. <laughs> I'm sorry. So uh, the book that I, I'm going to aim for you all is Batman 101. Uh, this, which is I, which is ironic because this is sort of uh, you know you think you're taking a Batman 101 class. Uh, <laughs> this definitely does change a lot of the Batman lore. Um, now there are a ton of um, 
great things about this book, but I'm just going to jump right into the aim because I think I can cover them uh, in that aim segment. So as far as accessibilities go, uh, I'm sorry, as far as accessibility goes, uh, you should be able to find this book pretty much everywhere. This is a flagship DC book really uh, in its prime right now. I mean, you should have no trouble finding this book. Uh, some of its variants, though, may be a little harder to find, especially some of the uh, George Jimenez variants, which are uh, wonderful. Now, how easy is it to pick up this book and read? This is something that I... Um, sort of struggled with, but as quickly as I can make it, because we have the whole show to do, this is as close to a Batman number one that you are going to get. Um, I've been reading Batman for since, I think, seven, Batman 85, right before the Bane War started. Um, and a lot of the times when they said, hey, this is sort of a, a fresh jumping on point, this definitely feels like the most accessible point for Batman in a very long time, uh, specifically for the reason that it is completely removing itself, not removing itself, but it understands what the Joker war was. And it says, we understand that people have Joker fatigue. Here is a story for everyone written again by James Tinian that is completely separate of Joker. And of course, Joker is never gone. It's comic books. But uh, James Tinian is introducing new characters, new stories, and is saying, I believe that Batman can, you know, be an incredibly important character without the uh, without the Joker. So uh, he's really kind of taking that on you know, the nail on the head, sort of what Tom King did with the the Bane War. Um, uh, and, or, I'm sorry, uh, City of Bane War, Bane War. I'm, I'm sorry. Just someone will someone will correct me. Someone yell at me, please. <laughs> yeah, I I got no help for you there. I'm my sorry. My brain is spectacular <laughs> planning mush right now. Um, but now, as far as the eye, as far as the interest goes, honestly, if you have been looking for a place to um, jump on with Batman more so than ever, I promise you, this is the point to jump on with Batman. Uh, if you didn't read any of the Joker War with uh, James Tinian's previous run, he does a pretty good job of sort of explaining it in a way that says, hey, I completely appreciate Tom King's run. I appreciate what I just did with Joker War, but you don't need to have read any of that to appreciate what I've got coming, which is really kind of refreshing for such a important character, probably one of the most important characters in DC's, you know, uh, arsenal there. Um, and again, it's if you're a Batman fan, but you've again you've had some Joker fatigue, this is the book to really jump on. You really don't even have to read 100, which is the end of the Joker War, but I would. If I mean, you are not going to understand literally one whole half of the book, but you can read the other half. But uh, Batman 101 is a great place to jump on, and honestly, it's only at 3.99. It's 32 pages. And it is uh, ongoing, so it's a whole new take for where Batman is going and for what he can be, you know, sans Joker. So I'm really, really excited to see what Tinian's got planned. All right. So our next book this week is one that I'm tackling. This is Dune House Atreides, number one from Boom Studios. The, it was written by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson, art by Dev Pramanik, uh, and then colors by Alex Guimarães. Uh, now, you may recognize the name Brian Herbert. Yes, that is the Brian Herbert, who is the son of Frank Herbert, who wrote the original Dune. Uh, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson are also responsible for the adaptation of the novelization of Dune, just the straight book-to-graphic novel uh, that will be available later in uh, November. So, A, accessibility of this title. I will be completely honest, it is hard for me to judge this objectively. I have read Dune. I don't know how from the outside perspective, how accessible 
a Dune prequel story is to someone who has no familiarity with the series. I, I feel like it's pretty ubiquitous in pop culture that people at least know the, the spice uh, and people <laughs> have at least seen the memes, even if you've only watched the, the uh, David Lynch film. Uh, but still, I found this to be, if you just take it from the lens of this is a sci-fi story, um, it is it is still pretty accessible. Um, it does what sci-fi stories tend to do in uh, introducing terminology that they don't really explain, but by the context of the actions and the rest of the conversation, you can kind of tell what's going on. Um, otherwise, there's a lot of familiar characters and family names uh, for people who know uh, the Dune story, but as it is a prequel, it's pretty uh, introductory and you don't have to know all of the characters. It, it is taking the perspective of a young Leto Atreides before he is the Duke uh, and that he is the father of, of Paul Atreides. Um, mm -hmm. So this is a kind of earlier, almost sci-fi Game of Thrones look at the different houses of, of the galaxy of Dune. Um, and availability-wise, it should be readily, uh, excuse me, readily available in stores, but it did just sell out at the distributor level and it will be going into a second printing. So if for some reason you missed the first printing, your store didn't get enough copies, it will be going into a second printing so you can uh, hopefully get it there. For interest, if you enjoy Dune, I will say it's worth reading, but it depends on how much of a Dune purist you are. Uh, I know some people who don't like Brian Herbert's take on this world or the extrapolations he's made uh, from Frank Herbert's original story. And some people are very, very specific about um, their, their, their Dune media. Um, <laughs> otherwise, it's an interesting read for sci-fi fans, and it's got a lot of uh, hard sci-fi concepts and political intrigue that is concurrent with the Dune universe, but you don't have to be a fan of Dune. I will say if you didn't like the novel, there may be something here for you that you would be interested in, given that it is a it is a beautiful visual format with the uh, language. But if if you just found the story too dense for you, then then a Dune prequel might not be what you need uh, from a comic <laughs> book. Honestly, it, it's very weird. It's very interesting because I I Dune really is like, a lot. I really love the novel, but it is a lot, and I completely respect that. Um, but uh, in terms of M, it's a $4.99 debut issue, and it is the start of a 12-issue maxi-series. So if you are considering investing in this book, you will be on for 12 issues. Um, Jasmine, we've got some questions coming through about Dune. Yeah, we do. We have Heather Gearhart on YouTube asking if it's uh, – that she's saying she's almost done reading the book. Dune now is the comic worth picking up. I would say that if you really did like the world, and as mm. I'm assuming you're finishing the novel that you did enjoy it, um, I would I would recommend turning your eyes at least to this first issue, knowing that it is a 12-issue series. You can make your judgment there, but I think it is very interesting. Um, for those who are more versed, yes, I mentioned it's a young Leto Atreides. We do also get to see the earlier days of the Harkonnen uh, kind of occupation of Arrakis, uh, and we get to see the Padishah Emperor before... Uh, I believe who this is not the emperor that is the same emperor in the novel. So it is, it is a nice prequel and you get to see how the world changes uh, in terms of setting up the, the novel. But I believe as Brian Herbert is working on it, it's going to be as faithful a, a Dune prequel as possible. Boom Studios is uh, marketing it as the official Dune prequel. Uh, so nice. You can make your decisions there, but if you do enjoy the story, I do think it's worth picking up. Now, for $4.99, uh, this issue is not particularly oversized. It's standard length, but it does include preview pages at the end of the story for the Dune graphic novel that is straight one-to-one -one of the book. that, Or not exactly one-to-one -one of the book, but the the 
more uh, faithful adaptation of the book oh. itself uh, that I did mention, and that will be coming in November from Abrams Comic Arts. So that's that's a cool little bonus if if yeah. maybe. Maybe if the prequel wasn't for you, but you do want to see a graphic novel version of the original story, that will be available to you soon. So that is Dune House Atreides, number one from Boom Studios. Definitely not a book I thought would be on our list for this week, but I'm I'm always here for more Dune content. And if you're itching ahead of the movie, uh, oh, yeah. this, this would probably be something to tide you over. As someone who uh, knows little to nothing about Dune, uh, you definitely kind of sold this. This sounds really interesting in the art, or at least the cover art there is wonderful. There's some really cool variants too. There's a die cut Shai Hulud variant, which is the sandworm, and it's got the open mouth. I, nice. I, I'm explaining it poorly, but I'll see if I can find Stand, it. The sandworms I know. <laughs> <laughs> They're not the sandworms from Saturn, but oh, uh, yes. oh, then probably not. But, you know. <laughs> um, all right, so. Uh, the next book that we wanted to aim, well, I guess that I wanted to aim for you all was Fantastic Four number 25. I thought this book was fitting uh, as a nice pair with Batman because it sort of treats an iconic franchise in the same light as I just explained Batman, but slightly different. This book does, uh, well, I should say this is Fantastic Four number 25 written by Dan Slott and now with new art by Arby Silva and Sean Isaacs, colors by Jesse Arbatov and Marcio Menez. Um, I did feel that this what this book was fitting to again to pair with Batman because it is just coming off a huge event, which is Empire, and it is um, the the previous issue. I'm sorry, the previous issue number twenty four was sort of like a uh, lighthearted filler book that wrapped up some questions for you that you had had maybe in Empire, but also sort of all around the uh, Fantastic Four verse, picking up some stuff pre Empire, but. 25 really hits the ground running with brand new stories, new costumes, new art. And it sort of feels like a, you know, the next logical step is to where the Fantastic Four should go. And, and again, a really comfortable place for everyone to jump on board. So jumping right into the A and AIM uh, accessibility, another flagship title from this is on the Marvel side. You should be able to find this book at your local comic book shop pretty easily. And if not, uh, go in anyways and order it from them they i'm sure they can get it to you um as quickly as as those uh as those vans will move so and then as far as how easy can you just pick this up and read i think this book um if we're comparing this to sort of how you know batman is is you know the 101 book right after it uh this to me seemed far easier to pick up it really explains everything marvel has a great way and amy you know and anyone who reads marvel knows sometimes in those first pages it gives like a, a nice explanation of the character mm -hmm. and sort of where they're picking up the story and they do that again in this issue um and it's really really great and if you didn't read empire um i think it's okay because you will have so many questions about why th there's not just four of them anymore and <laughs> uh as you know it sort of says on the title of the book uh, and it really really does an incredible job of explaining it while weaving it into the story and explaining sort of why everyone is um, in this family now and why the dynamic has changed. And uh, so I really think that you could just pick this book up. If you didn't read Empire, you didn't read Fantastic Four number 24, one, I'm sorry, one through 24, you could just pick this book up and be completely content and happy with it. Um, and as far as the eye goes, interest, 
honestly, anyone who is a huge Fantastic Four fan, I'm assuming you're already reading this book, but if not, because you were sort of holding off uh, for you know event fatigue or whatever it might be, um, apparently I'd learned the word fatigue overnight because <laughs> I think I've said it more today than I've ever said it in my entire life. Brought to you by Spooktacular. Well, <laughs> Brought to you by <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So I um, – I really think you could just pick up 25 as, again, as true a number one as a Fantastic Four book can be from, uh, from you know, in the middle of a run because it does – you don't get a completely new creative team, but you do have R.B. Silva on the book now. Some of you know from um, X-Men, he did do some Empire stuff. I believe he did – he alternated um, – con- uh, I'm sorry, interior work uh, on X-Men – on Jonathan Hickman's X-Men and it was – fantastic but we also uh so i mean honestly i'm sorry that this book is is so good and i really think that uh dan slot is doing a wonderful job of balancing now um um franklin's duties is you know am i do i belong to krakoa do i belong on yancey street and that sort of plays into it while introducing new villains again so it's a big week for new villains but with you know uh with old classic characters but with new villains i i really really think that i mean if you were looking for a place to pick up uh fantastic four this is really the spot to do it uh, i can't stress enough how how well it's drawn how well it's written of course i think uh dan slots he's found the perfect groove of writing the family dynamic here and and it really shows and it's sort of a a very telling of where the story itself will go. And again, uh, this book is a little bit pricier. This book is five ninety nine, but it is fifty two pages. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, they really kind of hit the ground running because they are they did uh, something that I do actually really love in comics is when they have a new creative team stepping in and they give them an oversized book and they sort of give the the main team. 30 pages and everyone else gets 10 pages to sort of uh, throw the breadcrumbs out to everyone to start following them for what's to come in the next 10, 12 issues. So uh, I honestly think that for the price you're getting well, it's well worth it. Arby Silva, the fantastic artist, Dan Slott's killing it on this book. So that's fantastic Four number 25. Uh, honestly, you should pick it up uh, today. It's new comic book day. Pick it up. And I know that Paul is the one aiming that book, but I, I do want to throw in back to our news segment. If you are interested in catching up on Empire and then maybe jumping into Fantastic Four, yes. you can check out Marvel Unlimited because it has updated with Empire. It is now three months behind. So that I think yeah. that's a great uh, opportunity. I had no idea that was an oversized issue, but that's a that's a that's a clear indicator that Marvel wants people to be jumping in at that yes. point. And uh, Empire is only six issues, so I'm you know you can really just read that core story and jump right into Fantastic Four and just have one heck of a Saturday. Uh, so <laughs> I, I I think you should do it. That, that's your comics hall homework. Go do that. <laughs> now I have just ahead of Halloween. I know our spectacular theme show will be next week, but I've got a little treat ahead of the tricks. Uh, the last book I wanted to aim this week is the Stranger nice. Things Halloween special from Dark Horse <laughs> Comics. Now, and I say it's a little treat because. So rarely do we review one-shots on this show. There haven't been too many one-shots that have crossed our pull list, but this is a true one-shot. It was written by Michael Morrissey with art by Todor Hristov and colors by Chris O'Halloran. And a one-shot story is one and done. You don't have to pick it up or you don't have to pick up anything after this. You do have to pick this one up, Uh, but you don't have to pick anything up after this because it is a complete and self-contained story. And and it's, and those do feel like a nice little breath mm-hmm. of fresh air in your pull lists uh, every now and then. I actually, 
I finished this book with a grin on my face. Uh, so for accessibility, at this rate, I think it's safe to say that everybody's at least a little familiar with Stranger Things or how the world operates. You know, it is a, a an 80s kind of nostalgia horror series. Uh, but even if you haven't seen the whole series, this is an accessible book because it's a one shot of the kids telling stories, scary stories as, as children do, uh, on Halloween night set before the events of the first season. So you don't have to be caught up to dive in. You don't have to, you can have seen maybe one or two episodes um, or you can have seen one season. You don't need to know anything about the more recent episodes of the show because it does take place before the opening episode. I would I would recommend at least you've seen The Vanishing of Will Byers, which is episode number one of season one. Uh, but it is a very... Uh, simple concept and even if you didn't know what stranger things is the the idea of children telling stories on halloween night is kind of universal <laughs> um so interest for fans of stranger things there's a lot to love here the likenesses and the artwork are amazing uh just it, because it is a one issue thing i think the art uh the art team had a lot of time to let this breathe and so the kids look exactly like they they do in the show um i won't spoil what they're wearing but all four of the boys are wearing uh matching Halloween costumes. It's very cute. Uh, and just so you know, there is no 11 in this story because it is set before the events of the series. Um, the character voices are also fantastic. There's a little bit of profanity, so um, be advised. Otherwise, it is a mostly accessible and quite possibly all ages story, uh, depending mm. on your sensitivity to swearing. Uh, and it's a rare moment of the group of the four boys, Will, Dustin, Mike, and uh, Lucas, all together before the events of the show. So it is a really fun thing. And that makes Will a starring character in the adventure uh, as well, because he hasn't disappeared yet. It's appropriately creepy, but again, nothing too mature that would turn off even a sensitive stomach. Um, and I don't want to spoil too much about what the stories they tell are, but it is very cute. Very, very Hawkins, Indiana, uh, <laughs> Stranger Things appropriate. And the price, the M uh, of our aim is $3.99, and it's a one-shot issue. It is a brisk read. It's fun. It's self-contained. You pay four bucks for a one-and-done story. And I I mean, I'm, I'm glad I picked this one up. I'm not reading the Stranger Things series, um, right. but Stranger Things has been putting out a lot more uh, books lately, uh, in addition to the ones that Jody Hauser is tackling that are more focused on either the, the laboratory and Eleven and the experimentation or other aspects of the show. There's going to be a uh, Stranger Things D and D crossover coming mm -hmm. up soon, uh, but this is just a really cute and sweet uh, look at the friendship that these boys share. And if you are watching the live show, the background behind me is actually the Francesco Francavilla cover uh, that is on the okay. screen as well. Just the standard view of Castle Byers. And again, if you are uh, checking us out on the podcast, you can go to side, uh, sideshow.com slash geek to see the visual assets and all the covers that we referenced during this show. Yeah, that's I a beautiful cover. That's what I was staring at. Oh, yeah. Like, Frank wow, Abia that's wonderful. Is, oof, is great. But yeah, that's I mean, that's all there is to say about that issue without sitting here and telling you the entire story. <laughs> it's really nice to have a one Which shot. We have we have time, Amy, if you want to just go ahead and do that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we've got some other segments to get to, and I'm actually very excited. So that is the uh, end of our aim and hauler uh, weekly haul segment. But we do want to turn your eyes forward to the coming months with our pulling ahead segment. Uh, last scene when we discussed the December event solicitations, mm -hmm. but DC Comics did drop a big announcement this week, and that's why it wasn't in our news, because we wanted to focus a little closer oh, on the yes. future state. Paul, do you want to get us started on that? Yes. So this is our pulling ahead segment, um, and this is one uh, 
that I, I'm so, so very excited for. So uh, DC Comics Future State is going to be a two-month wide, uh, line-wide, I'm sorry, event from January 2021 to February 2021, where all DC Comics will be in the future state. And it also, it takes place, so all of these books will take place in the future of of a DC comic. So whatever the run is on now, it's in the future. But every story that we're going to be getting takes place in a different future. So it's all in one timeline, but it's all, it may be, you know, the Batman stories 10 years from now, all the Superman stories 250 years from now. We don't know any of that, which is to me more exciting. So I'm really, really excited for that. So through uh, February 2021, the full title lineup will feature a combination of monthly and twice monthly oversized anthologies as well as a monthly schedule of miniseries and one shots so basically what that means is all of the titles that you're going to be getting some of them will say uh, for instance i'm jumping ahead here a little bit but dark detective number one and dark detective number two and that's it we're just getting two oversized issues. I'm assuming maybe 52 pages or so. That's usually where DC likes to play, uh, you know, play ball at with with their oversized event issues. So some of them are going to be just one shots. Some of them, I know one in particular is going to be four issues that will actually carry into. Um, it will carry into March, I believe, which brings me to. Uh, to what is like what can you really expect from the big three because i know a lot of people they are dc comics purists and you know they read the big three they read wonder woman they read batman and they read superman and that's also action comics and detective comics as well so uh as of now as we know uh even jim lee's come out and said a lot of it's changing a, a lot of what we are going to see is they are taking risks and they are going to be doing some incredible stuff. Now, mind you, this is all going to span out of Scott Snyder's uh, Dark Knight's death metal. Now, that's not as daunting as it sounds, I promise, because they've come they've uh, come out and said very outright that you do not need to have read any of death metal or anything to understand where Future Seed is going. But the end of Dark Knight's Death Metal, which I believe ends the first week in January now, it does sort of paint the picture, or I guess for lack of a better word, it builds uh, it, it builds the canvas for you. But then Future State will, you know, it, it, it'll make its own mark. But you don't need to have read any of that because that is a whole other uh, event and whole other thing. But uh, we have talked about it plenty, so you can go back and watch some of our other shows. I, I promise I've, I've covered it in detail. But So as far as uh, the Trinity goes, Diana will be passing on the role of Wonder Woman, but will still appear in the far future. Superman has been exiled from Earth and has set his sights on fighting up the ranks for control of Warworld. Uh, now is that Mongols Warworld or uh, Darkseid when he conquered Warworld again? Um, I I don't know. I'm really really excited for that. Who's to say? <laughs> who's, hopefully, someone soon, <laughs> please. And also, of course, uh, Bruce Wayne will also be adopting the identity of the Dark Detective to uh, complete with a uh, a new tactical costume. And in March of 2021, all all titles will pick back up. You know, uh, after the events of future state while some of them will be directly affected by future state and some of them 
will have to will write a story that sort of leads to where future state leads and there's a whole uh, slew of things that are possible but that's all we know so far as to what future state is um and we really wanted as amy had said we really wanted to spend a lot of time on that particular because that's a that's a huge deal that's like a very it's not a uh, and i see that we we did have some comments here um and Jazz, did you want to kind of run us through some of those comments that we're getting? Yeah. So we're asking about, uh, we're getting some questions about comparisons um, if for future states. So Michael Hood in YouTube wants to know if it's anything like Heroes Reborn. And Ron Uranus in Facebook wants to know if it's like Armageddon 2001 or the new 52 futures end in the way it will be impacting the rest of the comics and the universe. Interesting. Uh, super interesting comparisons there, especially the Heroes Reborn. I don't know that much about Heroes Reborn, um, to be completely honest with you, but I do know, I believe someone said, is it like New 52, um, Future's End? I can almost, well, I don't want to say I can promise you, like who am I to promise you anything, but uh, I am pretty certain that it's going to be nothing like that because Future's End, uh, if I remember correctly, that was that was a while ago that I read that. Um, it's sort of, uh, you had this this big uh, grandiose event. It was great, uh, but then everything sort of just picked back up. You know, like it, it didn't skip a beat. This is supposed to be altering and changing things from the books that you are currently reading. Like I know a lot of people were really sad that Kelly Sue DeConnick's Aquaman was ending. Well, the Aquaman book uh, that we're getting in Future State is going to directly affect Kelly Sue DeConnick's Aquaman run when it picks back up in March. So it's not they're not actually done. It's just it is you know. It is taking some time and restructuring and sort of putting everything under the proper continuity bubble. I I will admit as a as someone who retailed comics during the summer of convergence and secret wars yes. when you have to when when a publishing line wide event happens and they stop every book uh, it do, it does uh, it does get a little like anxiety heightening because mm-hmm. you're not sure what's going to happen but i think it is really reassuring that dc has stated here's the plan for the the resuming of your titles and we're going to jump right back into it yep. i'm actually extremely excited and i am excited to find out how what it's going to be like for someone who is not currently reading any dc titles in that main continuity because i was holding out for uh the wonder woman black label title that someday <laughs> will come out i'm sure um and i'm reading far sector right now but i did uh put down the wonder woman title a little bit recently um, but right. if I may use that to segue into what I'm excited to see for future. Yes. State, Cause uh, there's some great stuff coming. I mean, yeah, there's some amazing stuff and I've already made my little shopping list, but I am so excited uh, to be, and I'm going to be pulling uh, future state wonder woman by Joelle nice. Jones art and writing love Joelle Jones. Uh, but this is starring the new wonder woman who is Yara floor. Who's an Amazonian from uh, South America, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, and so I'm very excited to see that. I have, completely sold on all the artwork that I've seen for her so far. Beautiful. And uh, I will be curious to be picking up uh Karazor L Superwoman from Future State by Marguerite Bennett and Marguerite right. Savage uh, because they kicked butt in DC bombshells. And I would love to see what they're going to do with uh Supergirl Superwoman. I mean, whatever it is, it's going to be wonderful as everything is that they do. So uh, I, I think I, I had to narrow it down to like what books <laughs> I'm most excited for. So I will run through these really quick, but uh, Dark Detective, which is going to be like the flagship Batman story um, during Future State, uh, but it's being written by Marika Tamaki and art by Dan Mora. 
who is absolutely killing it on Once in Future right now, if you're reading that. Uh, and of course, Mariko Tamaki is uh, Eisner award winning. So, I mean, she has the Midas touch. So I am really excited to see what they do um, with such an important character like Bruce Wayne, not Batman. He's not Batman. So he is the dark detective. It's different. Also, Future State Shazam by Tim Sheridan and Eduardo uh, Pansica, because the way that it's being talked about is in a world full of technology. What does someone do who is powered by magic? So I, I found that really, really interesting, especially for a grown-up Billy Batson. And then Justice League by Joshua Williamson. And uh, the surprise book that I'm really, really sort of excited for is Future State Robin Eternal by Megan Fitzmartin and Eddie Barrows. I love Eddie Barrows, but I have a a uh, an unshared and deep love for Megan Fitzmartin's writing as she did uh, a huge chunk of the Supernatural books, uh, the, the Supernatural comics, which I never thought that I would read. But then I started reading them and I was like, she completely understands the voice of everyone in that world. So I'm really excited to see what she does with Robin. So that is future state. And yeah, that, I, I think mean, it's, I'm I like so that, they've, that they're splitting it into three families. And so it's Batman, Superman and wonder woman kind of themed mm-hmm. books and then justice league. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited because I think this will be a place where I might be able to find jumping on points to some of the DC books that otherwise I've stayed away from because I don't know where to jump into the continuity. Right. Totally. So that is our pulling ahead segment. Hopefully the gears are turning in your head. And uh, again, going back to our news from earlier, if you're thinking of stuff you want to pull, please let your store know because this will be coming around the time of the uh, distribution changeover. Uh, So you might help your store meet their minimum order for DC Comics. Uh, But we do want to go to our next and final segment for the show, our holler at the hall. Uh, This is our little talk back segment where we ask you guys a big overarching question. It might be themed to our show that week or just because we're curious. Yes. Uh, And we ask you in our uh let your geek side show facebook group we ask on social uh you can always email us as well at at the comics hall at sideshow.com so last week we asked you what is the longest comic book series slash run you have ever read consecutively without missing an issue yes and uh i'd given the example of jeff john's new 52 run and i know amy has not missed an issue of jason aaron's thor run uh, I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna burst that bubble. I was not reading it when it first came out, so I didn't start from number one. I know, Paul, this is really embarrassing. Um, but once I did start reading it around issue twelve, I didn't miss anything. That was a total of ninety four issue series, and I do have every single issue, but I didn't start from the beginning. So I think the closest I came to that was the Wicked and the Divine for fifty one oh. issues with every all forty five and their six specials. Never missed a release on that one. But we nice. asked you guys. And we got some great responses. Joe Gardner said, I bought, read, and still own issues number 212 through 400 of the original Uncanny X-Men run. Mm-hmm. I've since uh, filled that back to number 176. But as far as a consecutive streak, it was 212, 212 to 400. That is huge. <sighs> that is impressive. Um, we had Ashley Branzo say the entire New 52 run of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo on Batman number one through 51. I even got the first three issues signed by them at Boston Comic Con after it came out. That is awesome. And she also added in Saga number one through 50 by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Um, that is awesome. I'm right I'm up sure. there with you with Batman. I, I like Amy with Thor. Like I did. I love that. It's, it's an incredible story. But I did start around nine or something right after the Court of Owls got introduced. And I was like, I should read this. But Saga, I mean, that's impressive. 
Yes, and I'm sure that collection will be even more impressive when Saga comes back from hiatus. Uh, Neil Tyerman said, every uh, every regular issue of Justice League America, about 700 issues, starting from the 60s. Every regular issue of Teen Titans, starting from the 60s, which is about 600 issues. Every regular issue of Superman, Action Comics, Detective Comics, Batman, Flash, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, starting in the middle 70s, with some going back as far as the 50s. And for those of you playing along at home, that is at least 7,200 books. Yes. So I I think I, we, I think we should give this show to Neil Tyerman. You've hauled all the comics. <laughs> You're done. Um and then finally uh this is we wanted to say this one for last cuz we actually got a photo asset to go along with this one. Uh Adam Bunch said the new 52 and uh Rebirth Batman all of it. Uh, oh. All of it, of course, carries into another box. Batman Eternal, that's 52 weekly, and Batman and Robin uh, Eternal, that's 26 weekly, was his biggest ever collection. Uh, he, he says he does love that uh, Jason Aaron Thor run, Jane Foster's Thor is his Thor, and he still never read uh, Jeff John's Green Lantern run. And that's a picture of, I believe that's a sh- long box? I, or a short box. I'm, I couldn't tell from there. Uh, he didn't provide any context as to if that's a long or short box. If it's a short box, at least, that's at least almost 200 to 150 books. So, yeah. and a long box is, uh, I, I believe, what, Amy, maybe like 400 books, possibly? Yeah, three or four, depending on the bag and board and how many you just absolutely cram in there. Uh, but yeah, I, that, that's impressive. And I do like the the specific folder tab for Batman itself. That's a nice... Oh, yeah, uh, that's my favorite. That, keep that organized. Mm-hmm. So... We do have a question for you guys next week because it, uh, we did mention throughout the show, next week will be our Spooktacular special, so we won't be covering the weekly books. We will be giving you some Halloween-themed recommendations. But on that note, for our next Holler at the Hall question, what real-life comic book horror stories have you experienced? Chill our spines with your true tales of torn pages, <laughs> bent covers, or lost or stolen collections. We want to hear your comic book collecting nightmares for our Spooktacular special. <laughs> I know that Paul and I have some some sad stories Oof. of our own. Yes, uh, but nothing, nothing. I mean, just just make us sad for your collection. Uh, tell tell us about some time that you encountered a comic book collecting horror story. Keep it appropriate, but yes, please. Uh, that that you may have a chance to be read out loud on our spectacular special. Yes, and you will find that question this Friday in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group, where you can respond uh, with a comment photos if you've got them um or if you uh can't for some reason join the let your geeks at joe facebook group which you should because spooktacular is around the corner uh literally tomorrow so uh if you can't please uh go ahead and email us or reach out to us on social you can find us on social anywhere at the comics hall that's uh facebook twitter and instagram and if you are so inclined you can always email us at the comics hall at sideshow.com Yes. And for more information about Spooktacular, go to Spooktacular.com. That starts at the stroke of midnight tonight, and we cannot wait. Uh, let's see how how uh, sleep-deprived we are by next Wednesday. That'll be a uh, very fun show. But until then, uh, again, you can join us every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific for the new comic book releases. It is new comic book day every Wednesday, uh, and that is when we are live. But if you are joining us on the podcast format, we are available wherever you stream your favorite podcasts, and that is available every Thursday. So just the day after the the new comic book releases. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you still have plenty of time to go pick up the ones you are interested in. Again, you can go to sideshow.com slash geek to check out all of our visual assets featured on the show as well, including the panel of the week, the featured covers, anything else that we uh, think is worth highlighting. So this has been Wednesday, October 21st, your new comic book <laughs> day. As always, I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And this has been the Comics Hall. Thanks for joining us. 
This has been the Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing thecomicshall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at The Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, don't forget to let your geek side show. Let your geek side show.